From the Heritage Foundation, this is Heritage Explains. In 2008, entrepreneur Gabriel Weinberg was concerned by the amount of personal data that large search engines and web browsers were able to collect from their users and distribute. He felt that there should be an option that puts user privacy first as a key feature. He self-funded the project for three years and then began a steady crusade against the entrenched might of Microsoft and Google. In 2022, Weinberg's search engine, DuckDuckGo, received over 111 million web searches every day. Behind every new successful business, it's the same story, an individual or small group of people with an idea. And with the right resources, the right environment, and the right choices, they can rise to provide new services, products, and opportunities that make life better for everyone. But this can't happen just anywhere. For this flourishing to take place, there has to be an essential ingredient, freedom. Specifically, economic freedom, the fundamental right of every human to control his or her own labor and property in any way they please. In economically free societies, governments allow labor, capital, and goods to move freely and refrain from coercion or constraint of liberty beyond the extent necessary to protect and maintain liberty itself. That definition comes from the Index of Economic Freedom, an annual report published by the Heritage Foundation analyzing the degree of economic freedom in 184 economies around the world. Concerningly, this year's edition, the 30th, registered a 23-year low in the global economic freedom rating and has seen the United States rating, ranked 25th in the countries included, continue to decrease. Here to help us understand the index and how we can use it to promote good economic policy is Heritage's Executive Vice President, Derek Morgan. For starters, can you tell us who you are and what your role is here at the Heritage Foundation? I am Derek Morgan, Executive Vice President at the Heritage Foundation. Fantastic. Well, Derek, can you tell us a little bit, how did you get involved in this world of public policy? I was really inspired as a young person, actually, middle school, uh, by Ronald Reagan and his love for the country and his desire to see his neighbors flourish. And that was just really appealing to me as a kind of a patriotic American growing up in Texas I just knew that what he was saying was right. And uh, that's really what started me down this path. Yeah. So we're here today to talk about the Index of Economic Freedom. And this is something that Heritage puts out every year. This is the 30th edition of the Index of Economic Freedom. Can you give us an overview? What is this document? Why do we put it out? Yeah, really, it's meant to look analytically at where a country's policies are and then to correlate that to other factors of human flourishing. So does freedom really lead to people having better lives? So this is the way that we measure it. We look at three broad categories, kind of the rule of law, things like property rights, uh, are, is the judicial system fair? Does the government have general integrity? Then we look at the government, how do they manage the resources, the tax rate, the spending, and so forth. 
And then we looked at uh, a number of things on policy. So what's their policy for business? How easy is it to start a business? How free are you with your labor to find a new job? What's the monetary policy, the trade policy, the investment policy, and the financial policy, and so forth? So we take all of those factors country by country. Nearly every country in the world, there's a few you can't really get statistics for, but nearly every country in the world, and then you can compare that to, okay, these are the freer countries. How are they doing on these other measures? And what we find is that the freer countries are healthier, they're more prosperous, and they're freer overall, and they have a cleaner environment. So it's really a win-win, win-win. So that's a pretty consistent finding year over year. Can you tell us a little bit about this most recent edition? Can you give us the top line and were there any surprises? You know, what was in there? Yeah, there were some surprises. Really, when you look back over the 30 years, the biggest surprise is the United States of America. We started off as number four in the index when we started in 1995. And we've had a slow descent, sadly. We're now at 25. It's the lowest it's ever been. We've seen some slippage from countries like the United Kingdom and Germany over the years as well. New countries have come on, like Latvia and Lithuania. And Hong Kong has come completely off the index. It was winning in the index for a number of years, but as it became under Chinese domination and their freedom was squelched out, we had to take it completely off of the index. So when you look at the leaderboard, the top five countries are Singapore, number one, Switzerland, number two, Ireland, number three, Taiwan, number four, and Luxembourg, number five. Some other countries that have slipped include Australia and New Zealand. I think we saw, especially during COVID, just their uh, penchant for cracking down that was not uh, helpful. And then, of course, on the very lowest end, you have uh, North Korea, Cuba, Venezuela, Sudan, and uh, Zimbabwe. So as you're looking at these countries as a group, you know, what can we say in terms of principle, in terms of policy? What are these countries that are ranked highly doing right? And what are the ones who are ranked low doing wrong? You kind of need to be good across all three of those categories. I would say the most fundamental is the rule of law. Are private property rights respected or not? Of course, in a, in a communist government all the way on the extreme side, there's no such thing, or at least theoretically, of private property versus in some of these countries that you see like Singapore and Switzerland and so forth, you have more of a respect for rule of law. So that's really, really important. And then when you look at the thing that's really hurt the United States recently is that middle category of how is government managing its finances? Our tax rates aren't too bad, but our spending is terrible and our fiscal health is among the worst in the world because we just keep spending and borrowing. Our debt levels are uh, higher than their GDP now. And so that's really what's hurt the U.S. And then on the policy side, uh, these are things that can change fairly quickly with a new government that comes in. So we've seen that in the U.S. even uh, when a more conservative administration comes in or we can kind of bump up a couple of slots. Uh, but uh, overall, it hasn't been a real great picture for human freedom. In fact, uh, we're at the lowest global levels for freedom in uh, 23 years. So everything that we do here at Heritage is geared towards having impact on public policy and geared on having an improving effect on the lives of American citizens. Why is it that we put out this document? What are we able to do with it now that we have it? Yeah, it, it really uh, is twin purposes. Number one, it shows the uh, truth of the overall statement that the more economic freedom you have, the more prosperity you're going to have in general. Now, that's not a one-to-one -one all the time, but it holds true over the data over all of these countries over the time that we've measured. So it's an empirical measure that can be used. Business schools use it. Public policymakers use it, particularly overseas. They try to compete with one another to try to get up on the index, which is great for, for human flourishing overall. And that allows us to really push the point home that what works globally can also work in the United States. We need to have more freedom in the United States, a greater respect for property rights, uh, government integrity, 
And uh, in particular, you know, things like spending and fiscal health, we've got to get those things in order. So that helps us here in the U.S. And then overseas, it can really put wind in the sails of allies. I think of uh, countries that are um, really starting to, to turn a corner. So you think of uh, Argentina uh, with President Malay or Italy with Prime Minister Maloney or Paraguay with uh, President Pena. These are leaders who understand the importance of human freedom and want to see it in their countries. And this kind of gives them wind in their sails to say, here's an empirical study that shows that we're on the right track. How has the index been received here in the United States? Do we ever receive any kind of pushback for it? What's that response been like? Yeah, I think a lot of people appreciate it. Like I was mentioning the business schools and, and that sort of thing. The collectivists don't really like it because they don't like the outcomes. They don't like what it measures. You know, it's the old joke about communism is it's just not succeeded because it's never really been tried. Well, actually, uh, everywhere it's been tried, it's been a complete and dismal failure. And so uh, you, of course, have, in that sense, a couple of different reactions. But uh, for the most part, it's, uh, it's been encouraging. I've seen uh, foreign leaders really uh, embrace it. So uh, President Millet, who we were able to meet with recently, who's a great economist, uh, and in fact, he's, his two major speeches in the United States have been on economics, both, uh, well, I should say one at Davos uh, and then one uh, here in the United States at CPAC. He really went into detail about how these factors like rule of law, like government management, and like uh, freedom from regulation and so forth really lead to human flourishing. So, in fact, I think uh, you'll probably see Argentina shoot up the rankings as uh, as he comes into office and, and has some success, Lord willing. I would just point to one more factor of uh, even this most recent release, which is just this week. Uh, our President Kevin Roberts and Victoria Coates, who's our Vice President for National Security, and Anthony Kim, who puts together the index, who deserves so much of the credit, uh, just a great colleague. All three of them were in Taiwan to share the latest findings with the outgoing president and the incoming president. They got uh, two really important meetings. Both of those leaders really appreciated the work of the index. It probably helps that they're ranked number four, uh, which is uh, really a contrast to mainland China when you think about that. Uh, or you look at South Korea versus North Korea. Um, everywhere freedom has been tried, it's led to human flourishing, and it's uh, great to make that point. If our listeners are really interested in learning more about the Index of Economic Freedom, seeing some of the results, where can they go? The best place is to go to the website to heritage.org forward slash index. And there you can look at all of the countries. Uh, you can arrange the data however you want. You can download the data yourself. A lot of professors and students do that as well so they can uh, run their own studies and so forth. So I'd encourage them to go to heritage.org slash index. Final question here looking at what this index reveals, which is that economic freedom secures our freedom and flourishing as, as human beings, what are the things that we should be focusing on here in the United States to really ensure economic freedom for both ourselves and for the future generations? Yeah, great question. Because, you know, sometimes um, when this index was launched, it was right after the collapse of communism. We had a lot of uh, hope in the power of economic freedom. In fact, some people had that hope for, for China as well. But mainland China did not adopt the path towards freedom, unfortunately. They did to an extent, and you saw their economy grow, but that did not translate over to the rest of society. And so I think it's really important. I would encourage folks to read the uh, preface this year to the index. Uh, Dr. Roberts gave a, a great defense of uh, why we do the work and how it's actually not sufficient also. What's actually most critical is to rebuild the institutions of self-governance. Do we have strong families? Do we have strong churches, synagogues, temples, et cetera? Is local government healthy or is everything done from a central faraway capital? And he calls on us to reject the managerial class that's looking to kind of tweak and direct every part of the economy and in fact control all parts of our life in terms of our thoughts, our speech, 
uh, not just our economic activities. And it's really important that, uh, that we push back. Uh, so I think of, for example, even the energy conversation here in the United States. It's all about banning things when that's exactly the wrong direction. You know, we need to have free choices and things like electricity generation and things like uh, our automobiles. I just saw today that another major auto company is, is saying they can't do this all electric future. When you plan things from a central location, you destroy freedom and overall it's going to be less efficient and it's just wrong. So I think um, when you look at that preface, you understand that we're in a dire situation right now. The diagnosis is not good. Economic freedom is the lowest globally in 23 years, the lowest in the United States ever. We have to turn this around. We have an opportunity right now. We have a time for choosing. Are we going to be strong? Are we going to be a self-governing people? Or are we going to cede all of our power uh, to a faraway capital? And I'm hopeful. I look at those places that I mentioned. I look at the United States. Look at Florida. Look at Texas. Look at some of these other states that gave the stiff arm to the COVID lockdown that are great places to do business and raise a family. You think of all the success we've had at School Choice, all of these things that are reinvigorating the family and civil society, that's what's ultimately going to lead us to prosperity. And I'm confident we will get there. Derek Morgan, thank you so much. My pleasure. Thank you to Derek Morgan for his contribution to today's episode. You can find more from Derek by going to heritage.org or by following him on X at ddmorganindc. You can find the Heritage Foundation's Index of Economic Freedom at heritage.org index. There you can see the rankings for all the countries included, check out the highlights, and explore the data yourself. There will also be a link in the show notes. Thank you, as always, to you for listening to Heritage Explains. If you have any thoughts or feedback for us, we look forward to hearing from you. You can reach out to heritageexplains at heritage.org. Take care, and we'll see you next week. Heritage Explains is brought to you by more than half a million members of the Heritage Foundation. It's written and produced by Mark Guiney, Lauren Evans, and John Pop.